I'd like to welcome you to Graceland once again. My name is Ray. I'd look forward to meeting you if I've never met you in person. If you're watching online at home or wherever you are, I'd love to meet you in person as well. I'd love for you to worship with us uh, this coming uh, weekend for what we're calling Experience Easter. Now, this morning, it is Palm Sunday. And uh, if you ever went to church as a little kid, maybe you remember Palm Sunday with waving the what? The palms, yeah, and hitting your, your brother, your sister with them like I did. And my mom and my dad going, quiet, like the whole time. Uh, but today on Palm Sunday, I want to ask you a question. And the question is, have you ever been to a celebration? Have you ever been to a celebration and you did not know the person or the one whom the celebration was for? Have you ever done that? Well, I have. My wife, who was then my girlfriend at the time, said, hey, Ray, would you go to a wedding with me? And you know, when your girlfriend says, would you go to a wedding? You, you say, yes, right? And so I went with her to the wedding, didn't know who they were. She walks down the aisle. The wedding was great. I'm like, oh, that's nice. nice. Seemed like great people. And we go to the reception. The food is really good. And, you know, it seemed like a great time. And then the dreaded moment came to where they walked up to us. And of course they knew my wife. They, of course they knew Sarah. But then they approach me and they have this puzzled look on their face. Like, who is this? And then I'm thinking back to my, I'm thinking to myself as they're giving me that look, I'm going, well, who is this? And then we're shake hands. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And I'm like, I've never met them in my life, you know, and we would later get to know them a little bit. But this question, who is this? That is the exact same question that we're going to be looking at. Matthew in his gospel, he writes in Matthew chapter 21, verse 8, if you'd like to get out your Bible or smartphone or tablet, the Bible in front of you, we'd love for you to follow along. And if you don't have any of those or you can't uh, look at those, we're going to put it on the screen for you this morning. Matthew chapter 21, this exact question is asked. And, and I'm going to read this out and you can follow along. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. And then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And then when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar. And they're all saying, who is this? He enters Jerusalem. They just celebrated him. And they're asking, well, who is this man who's being celebrated? Look at it with me closer in verse 10. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an emperor. Let's all say that together. The question, who is this? We're, in, we're, we're a week away from arguably celebrating the world's most impacting, historically shaping individual the world's ever seen. And, and no matter who you are, and no matter how you are today, you're probably going to celebrate or be involved somehow in some way in an element of his impact. But I wonder how well do you know this individual? How well do you know the very person in whose honor the celebration is being thrown? Now, we're going to celebrate here. We're going to have eight different services between this location and our Palmyra location. We are going to celebrate. And I want you to be a part of that. I want you to come on Good Friday. And I want you to participate in one of our services so you can celebrate with us. But so often the case, instead of celebrating those who believe, those who do not believe, we argue a lot about this man that we ask the question, who is this? We argue about him. Who is he? And, and what is he? And what he's not? And what he is? 
Instead of arguing, could we put those things aside and could we simply marvel at him? You see, those on the road to Jericho would throw their their coats and they'd throw their palms on the ground and, and they would say these words and they don't understand the ramifications of those moments and the moments to come, but could we understand those moments today and how they impact our life and, and future lives as well? You know, I read a couple of historical books these last few weeks and one of the books that I read on the history of the impact of this man, it's actually entitled, Who is This Man?, And I would encourage you to pick it up if you'd like. But in those pages, I was so moved by what the author had to share about the impact of this man. And so moved, in fact, that I wanted to share some of what he shared with you today. You see, I was overwhelmed because the moments that we have in our life have been impacted. The moments in my family's life, the moments in our city's life, the moments in my state's life, in my country, in this world's life have been impacted. And so today, if you're listening, God, or you want to take notes, you just want to follow along, I'm going to give you six reasons why we are to learn and understand about this man and know who we're celebrating next weekend. It will get you ready. It will lock and load you for this coming weekend. The first reason is this, this man is the most influential person in human history. He's the most influential person in human history. Uh, Right over here is a large cross. This symbol, the fact that we know this symbol is a miracle. You know what this symbol is? It's really a Roman execution tool. We we know it so well, don't we? I mean, it's been tattooed on more bodies than any other symbol in the history of mankind, hasn't it? it? It adorns the graves of so many, and yet it's been adorned by jewels by, by so many. Why has this happened? Because of the influence of this man. He's the most influential figure and familiar figure the world has ever known. Yet at the same time, he never lived past the age of 33. He never saw his 34th birthday. I have a good friend. It's his birthday today. He's in his 40s, and I texted him and said, happy birthday, your 60th. You know, and he, I don't think he liked that too well. All right. But the point is he never made it past his 33rd birthday, but his influence continued to spread. He had the most unimpressive followers. They're imperfect. Yes, they were. And yes, they continually are. His influence was not because he wrote a book. His influence was not because he held an office. His influence was not because he led an army or he traveled more than 75 miles from his home. His influence was not because he put his name on placards all over the place in memory of, in memory of, or anything like that. And yet his influence is everywhere, even in our country when we don't even want to admit it. How many of you have been to Sacramento, California? Raise your hand with me real quick. Okay, those of you who have been to Sacramento, how many of you have heard of Sacramento, California? Okay, there we go. Okay, the the word Sacramento actually comes from the word sacrament, which is a, an, a very sacred word and associated with this man. In the first century, if you had to put a bet on whether the, 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 the Roman Empire or the ragtag bunch of followers that this man had and the influence that they would have moving forward, you would have put your money every time on the Roman Empire. And yet, if you fast forward 2,000 years later today, everyone is going to, you're going to hear a lot of people named Peter, Paul, and Mary, but yet people are going to name their snot-nosed little dogs Nero. You're going to pick up the phone, you're going to get online, and you're going to order a hot and ready from Little Caesars, right? Yeah. This man's influence is remarkable. 
But there's a second reasoning for learning about him, and that's this. This man is the one who changed and shaped the very existence of compassion and kindness. Now, some of you may cry foul to all of it because of the Crusades. But I would argue that those individuals who were driving the Crusades were not those who were following this man. See, this man, he, he drove compassion and kindness. And here's why. When he entered the world, the successful were not idolized because of they were compassionate. They were idolized because they were in control and they were strong. And the only thing that was uplifted was that. And those who demonstrated compassion and kindness, they, weren't in the, they were in the peripheral. A Roman century Roman leader named Seneca wrote, we drown children at birth when they are weak and abnormal. See, this wasn't covered up. This was just an everyday affair. And before a child could really grow up, if they were a certain gender, they were literally killed. Anyone want to guess what gender that was? Women. That's right. But yet this man, he would lift up women. He, was elevate, he would elevate them. He, when he was born, for every 140 uh, males, only 100 and women were in existence because they were treated as property. But this man changed that. This man also gave compassion to children as well. Well, he said this, let the little children come to me. And so the followers of this man, you know what they did? They began to bring the, the, all of the orphans who were from the community and they would give them a place to sleep and a place to lie their head and a place to belong. And from that time, those communities began to reproduce. And today we know these places as orphanages, right? That are around the world because of the impact of that man. But the, his mercy and compassion didn't stop there. He actually impacted widows. Did you know that widows in that time and day were known as a drag on the economy? And yet this man, because of what he said, his followers would take the widows in and love them and care for them. Because what he said was, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. But his compassion, his kindness, it doesn't end there. In the fourth century, I'm not making this up. There was one of his followers by the name of Benedict would start the first hospital. And that would begin to sweep the world over. And what would happen is, is that suffering would be known in such a way that others would want to come along and help suffering and alleviate those burdens. So much the case that hundreds of years later, an organization arose and they just happened to choose as their logo a red cross with a white background. But not only did this organization come up, but when you hear the organizations of the Salvation Army, World Vision, Habitat for Humanity, Compassion International, when you go to hospitals, these have all are in existence because of the touch of this man. One scholar, he says it this way. If you ask what is this man's influence on medicine and compassion, I would suggest that wherever you have an institution of self-giving for the lowly, schools, hospitals, hospices, orphanages, for those who will never be able to repay, this probably has its roots in the movement of this man. It's unbelievable, but yet there's another reason for learning about him. The third reason, it's this. This man shaped an elevated learning and the mind. You may be a doubter today, but you cannot refute these facts. I had a professor in seminary, in graduate school, and he had a profound impact on me. He elevated my thinking. He wrote numerous books that people are still reading to this day. But this man that we celebrate and we talk about today, he never once wrote a book and he never was a college professor. And yet he elevated the entire world in its thinking. 
You see, when he stepped foot into the world, formal education, it was virtually only for the privileged and for the males. And yet the followers of this man said, that's not to be. And so they began to educate the slaves, which never happened. They began to educate women, which never happened. And they began to educate children, which by and large didn't happen. Because this man said, go and teach everybody. He was for everyone. And I'm not making this up. During the dark ages in the Western world, this man's followers literally would begin to educate people to help them to learn to read and to write. Churches would be established and churches would begin to educate people on Sunday morning. And guess what that would be called? Sunday school. That's why it's called that. And then communities began to build other schools, colleges and universities and the likes of Cambridge and Oxford and Harvard and Yale established. Did you know that 92% of all colleges, all universities before the Civil War were founded based upon this man's impact? In our country, I'm not making this up, this is real, in, the, in Massachusetts in the 17th century, the first law to require public funding for education was called the Old Deluder Satan Act because it was led by followers of this man to think that it was actually satanic to be in ignorance and to not be able to read. You see, nation after nation after nation would literally educate people so they could read and write for the purpose of those individuals being able to read and learn about the impact of this man. Now, some would argue, maybe you today would argue, that if you are to be a scientist, if you are to be into the intellectual field, then you cannot believe in this man. But then you have the likes of Blaise Pascal and Galileo and Louis Pasteur and Isaac Newton, all of them renowned scientists, all of them followers of this man. See, this, this man elevated the, our mindsets in new ways. But that's not all. There's more. We find a fourth reason to learn about him. This man had an impact on technology. This is one of my, I think this is one of the most incredible facts I've never realized. I'm not making this up. The greatest explosion in technology, not the last 100, 200 years, was actually found in the Western civilization in the Middle Ages in monastery communities. And here's why. Did you know the mechanical clocks? How many of you own a clock in your house, whether on your phone or on your watch? Mechanical clocks were invented in monasteries to tell the priests when and when not to pray. That the first eyeglass ever mentioned was in a sermon. They were invented so that priests could pore over the text. Those of you, how many of you wear uh, uh, contacts here this morning? Okay, how many? Nobody wear contacts. All right, how many of you wear glasses this morning? Yeah, you know that you can see today because the impact and the technological breakthrough of this man. But that's not all. There's a fifth reason to learn about him. This man changed our complete thinking on human rights. There's a saying that we love in this country, and it came from one of our great leaders. And he says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and have been endowed by their creator with certain rights. See, so, now where did that, co that come from? Did it come from the media? Did it come from our culture? No, and no. Did it come from the culture where this man was born into? No, in fact, there were no human rights at that time. This man sparked the entire idea of human rights. It all traces back to this man. And there are serious implications. It's actually quoted 
and written in this man's name. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in, and then it says the name of the man. See, now supposedly Christian individuals, believers, and even uh, Christian nations have, have, have taken the cause against human rights in history. And for that, I would say that those people and those nations were not led by the likes of this man and his teachings and what he did. But you cannot refute the fact that every single solitary movement of human right in our history, the abolition of slavery, was overwhelmingly led by the followers of this man. Martin Luther King did not come up with the idea of his children and his dream that he came across by just some dream he dreamt by himself. It was influenced because Martin Luther King was trying to follow what this man had to say about human rights. Who is this man? This man impacts your life more than you've ever realized. The, the last reason that I want to share with you today because of our time this morning is that this man also gave us the golden rule. How many of you know the golden rule? Yeah, many of us know it, whether we know it or not, really. And for example of illustration, I want to bring up one of my favorite, most talented actors, Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? And there's an old movie, Conan the Barbarian. How many of you have ever seen Conan the Barbarian? And we got a picture of him. There he is right there. There's Arnold. Arnold, you know? And, and he, he asks a question, and then he quotes Genghis Khan. He, write, he asks this question, what is best in life? What is best in life? And he quotes Genghis Khan. What is best in life is to crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of their women. But Jesus Christ, when asked this very question, he would say, what is best in life? To turn the other cheek, to go with them two miles, and to love your enemy. But those weren't just words. When he's hanging on this symbol, and his back has been ripped open, and his arms and his legs have been nailed to this thing, and he can't even breathe right. When all these things are, being ha are happening and his executioners are laughing at him, he literally prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then his followers of him would watch what he would say and do and what he would teach. And when Nero, the, the, the emperor, would literally pour pitch over his believers and bind them and set them on fire and use them as human torches in his gardens, how would the followers of this man respond? Would they respond with revolt? Would they respond with revolution? No, they would demonstrate to the world what it looks like to forgive. See, this man's impact is far-reaching. And what I want to ask you today is this, do you know the one? Do you know the one in whose celebration we're about ready to commence? See, are you ready to celebrate him? Now, look, I, I know this. You're going to have lots of Easter eggs. There's going to be lots of chocolate, which is good. Right, ladies? And some of us are going to fall asleep watching professional golf next Sunday afternoon while all the ladies do the, get stuck doing the dishes, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, yep, every Easter. But even those celebrations, even though they're secular and they're just for fun, right? Those things would not be in existence if it were not for the likes of this man. His influence is unbelievable. And the symbol that we have today is here today because of the influence of this man. Um, let me tell you who this man is. See, this man is the hinge of history. This man is the opportunity for the oppressed. This man is the king of creation. 
This man is the lifter of lives. He's the greatest mind that has ever thought. He gave the greatest gift that was ever given. He launched the greatest movement in history and he's a friend of the forgotten and he's a savior to a sinner and an imperfect person like me. And in just a few days, we're gonna celebrate his death. We're gonna celebrate his burial. And then we're gonna celebrate the one thing that has never taken place for anyone else. And that is that he resurrected himself from the grave. And the reason why we celebrate is because of this, that death couldn't hold him down. And because death couldn't hold him down, the apostle Paul says that death, where is your sting? The question is there because there is no sting to death because of him. And what I wanna ask you today is do you know this man? Do you celebrate him? Are you focused on him? Have you walked away from him? And today you realize, wait a minute, there's more to this. And maybe I've unjustly accused him of things that he has never done or allowed or been a part of before. You see, this man, because he's been resurrected, he's with us. He said to his disciples that very thing. And that means that when you go through the valley, That means that when you experience rainy days, when you experience the highest mountains and the lowest valleys, that means that he is with you. And he extended his hand out to every single follower, to every child, to every student, to every college student, to every adult, to every man, woman, and child in the world. He says to all of us, come, follow me. An impact just like my followers of the past have done. I want to ask you today, do you know him personally? Maybe today you grew up hearing about this man. Maybe you grew up reading about him and and going to Sunday school like we learned about just a minute ago, but you've walked away from him. I want to ask, would this weekend coming up be completely different? Or maybe today you would say that you were just like my friend Glenn, who I just got to baptize, that he wanted nothing to do with anything terms of Christianity because of one thing. You just couldn't realize why would you believe something you couldn't see? But you cannot, you cannot deny the facts that I presented. I want to ask you the question, do you know this man? And here's why. Because he alone mastered life. He alone conquered death. He alone overcame sin. He's the son of God. He's the glory of humanity. And he crucified, he was the crucified carpenter of Nazareth. And he is the hope of every nation and the hope of every person. You know who this man is? This man is Jesus Christ. And he is the one that we're going to celebrate this whole week coming up. And I just can't get to it. I can't get more excited about that this morning. And I hope and I pray that you are on cue to celebrate this man like like I am and like so many others are.